of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello and welcome to episode 16. I am Mosh and I am joined by Waver. Hello. And Gigi Allen. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Run that back. You talked about him the other day. I talk about Stalin and Hitler. Does that make me them? I mean. Um, does it? It's up for debate. All right, fine. El Booty God is here No, it's too, it's too late. No, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. You ruined it. Anyway. So, some PS5 news dropped, and, uh, you know, a certain company released certain information on a certain Tuesday when a certain podcast was going up. <clears throat> so we're a week late, but that's just the way the universe works. So I'm going to go over some of these details. Mark Cerny, who works for PlayStation and Sony, who's been with them for, I want to say since the beginning, but I'm not entirely sure. He did an interview with Wired.com. And this is what he had to say. What to expect from Sony's next-gen PlayStation. Mark Sony would like to get one thing out of the way right now. The video game console that Sony has spent the past four years building is no mere upgrade. You'd have good reason for thinking otherwise. Sony and Microsoft both extended the current console generation via a mid-cycle refresh with the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 spawning mini-sequels, Xbox One X and PS4 Pro. The key question, Cerny says, is whether the console adds another layer to the sorts of experiences you already have access to, or if it allows for fundamental changes in what a game can be. The answer in this case is the latter. It's why we're sitting here, secreted away in a conference room at Sony's headquarters in Foster City, California, where Cerny is finally detailing the inner workings of the as-yet-named console that will replace the PS4. Pretty sure it's called the PS5. Well, I mean, we thought the next console after 360 would be the 720, we saw how that worked out. That was one of the dumbest naming things they could have ever done. <laughs> like, the 360 was a good name. I like that name. Dude, I love... 360 was the superior console during that era, in my opinion. And it had the better, like, name as well. But then, boom, they're like, nah, we're gonna call it the One, dude. Let's call it the One. I know they called it that because it's supposed to be, like, the all-in-one thing. But just use that as your slogan or motto. Don't make that the actual name of the thing. Like, that's probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most with the next Xbox is what they're naming it. Xbox one and a half. They're going to do a Kingdom Hearts. They're going to, like, go by decimals, fractions. Xbox uh, 358 over 6 divided by 2 remix uh, squared to the power of um, 10. Final prologue chapter. Part 3. I triple dog dare them. Imagine the acronym for that. (laughs) I can't because I already forgot what you said. So did I. If you ask me to repeat that, <laughs> you don't, there's no way I'm repeating that, man. If history is any guide, it will eventually be dubbed the PlayStation 5. For now, Cerny responds to that question and many others with an enigmatic smile. The next-gen console, as he refers to it repeatedly, won't be landing in stores anytime in 2019. A number of studios have been working with it, though, and Sony recently accelerated its deployment of dev kits so that game creators will have the time they need to adjust to its capabilities. As he did with the PS4, Cerny acted as lead system architect for the coming system, integrating developers' wishes and his own gaming hopes into something that's much more revolutionary, something that's much more revolution than evolution. For the more than 90 million people who own PS4s, that's good news indeed. Sony's got a brand new box. A true generational shift tends to include a few foundational adjustments. The console's CPU and GPU become more powerful, 
able to deliver previously unattainable graphic fidelity and visual effects. System memory increases in size and speed, and game files grow to match, necessitating larger downloads or higher capacity physical media-like discs. Sony's next-generation console ticks all those boxes, starting with an AMD chip at heart. The CPU is based on the third generation of AMD's Ryzen line and contains eight cores of the company's new 7NM Zen 2 microarchitecture. The GPU, a custom variant of Radeon's Davi family, will support ray tracing, a technique that models the travel of light to simulate complex interactions in 3D environments. While ray tracing is a staple of Hollywood visual effects and is beginning to warm its way into high-end processors, and NVIDIA's recently announced RTX line, no game console has been able to manage it yet. Ray tracing's immediate benefits are largely visual, because it mimics the way light bounces from object to object in a scene. Reflective surfaces and refractions through glass or liquid can be rendered much more accurately, even in real time, leading to heightened realism. According to Cerny, the applications go beyond graphic implications. If you wanted to run tests to see if the player can hear certain audio sources, or if the enemies can hear the player's footsteps, ray tracing is useful for that, he says. It's all the same thing as taking a ray through the environment. The AMD chip also includes a custom unit for 3D audio that certainly thinks will redefine what sound can do in a video game. As a gamer, he says, it's been a little bit of a frustration that audio did not change too much between PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. With the next console, the dream is to show how dramatically different the audio experience can be when we apply significant amounts of hardware horsepower to it. The result, Cerny says, will make you feel more immersed in the game as sounds come at you from above, from behind, and from side to side. While the effect will require no external hardware, it will work through TV speakers and virtual surround sound. He allows that the gold standard will be a headphone audio. One of the words Cerny uses to describe the audio may be familiar to those who follow virtual reality. Presence. That feeling of existing inside a simulated environment. When he mentions it, I ask him about PlayStation VR, the peripheral system that has sold more than 4 million units since its 2016 release. Specifically, I ask if there will be a next-gen PSVR to go alongside this next console. I won't go into details of our VR strategy today, he says, beyond saying that VR is very important to us and that the current PSVR headset is compatible with the new console. So, new CPU, new GPU, and the ability to deliver unprecedented visual and audio effects in the game, and maybe a PSVR sequel at some point. That's all great, but there's something else that excites Cerny even more. Something that he calls a true game changer. Something that more than anything else is the key to the next generation. It's a hard drive. The larger a game gets, last year's Red Dead Redemption 2 clocked in at a horse-choking 99 gigabytes for the PS4, the longer it takes to do just about everything. Loading screens can last minutes while the game pulls what it needs to from the hard drive. Same goes for fast travel, when characters transport between far-flung points within a game world. Even opening a door can take over a minute, depending on what's on the other side and how much more... <laughs> Boy, you've never taken a minute to open a door? I'm laughing because it happened to you. When? It's happened to you. When? It happened like mid-game. It happened one. To open the door? Yes. What game? Red Dead. I don't open doors, dude. I storm through buildings. Oh, that's right. Like a, like a Neanderthal, right? <laughs> uh, where was I? Depending on what's on the other side and how much more data the game needs to load, 
Starting in the fall of 2015, when Cerny first began talking to developers about what they'd want from the next generation, he heard it time and time again. I know it's impossible, but can we have an SSD? Solid state drives have been available in budget laptops for more than a decade, and the Xbox One and PS4 both offer external SSDs that claim to improve load times, but not all SSDs are created alike. As Cerny points out, I have an SSD in my laptop, and when I want to change from Excel to Word, I can wait 15 seconds. What's built into Sony's next-gen console is something a little more specialized. To demonstrate, Cerny fires up a PS4 Pro playing Spider-Man, a 2018 PS4 exclusive that he worked on alongside Insomniac Games. He's not just a systems architect. Cerny created arcade classic Marvel Madness when he was all of 19 and was heavily involved with PlayStation and PS2 franchises like Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon, and Ratchet and Clank. <sighs> on the TV, Spidey stands in a small plaza. Cerny presses a button on the controller, initiating a fast travel interstitial screen. When Spidey reappears in a totally different spot in Manhattan, 15 seconds have elapsed. Then Cerny does the same thing on a next-gen dev kit connected to a different TV. The dev kit, an early low-speed version, is concealed in a big silver tower with no visible componentry. What took 15 seconds now takes less than 1. 0.8 seconds to be exact. That's just one consequence of an SSD. There's also the speed with which a world can be rendered and thus the speed with which a character can move through that world. Cerny runs a similar two-console demonstration, this time with the camera moving up one of Midtown's avenues. On the original PS4, the camera moves at about the, speeds, about the speed Spidey hits while web-slinging. No matter how powered up you get as Spider-Man, you can never go any faster than this, Cerny says, because that's simply how fast we can get the data off the hard drive. On the next-gen console, the camera speeds uptown like it's mounted to a fighter jet. Periodically, Cerny pauses the action to prove that the surrounding environment remains perfectly crisp. While the next-gen console will support 8K graphics, TVs that deliver it are few and far between, so we're using a 4K TV. What else developers will be able to do is a question Cerny can't answer yet, because those developers are still figuring it all out. But he sees the SSD as unlocking an entirely new age, one that upends the very tropes that have become the bedrock of gaming. We're very used to flying logos at the start of the game and graphic-heavy selection screens, he says. Even things like multiplayer lobbies and intentionally detailed loadout processes because you don't want players to just be waiting. At the moment, Sony won't cop to exact details about the SSD, who makes it, whether it utilizes the new PCIe 4.0 standard, but Cerny claims that it has a raw bandwidth higher than any SSD available for PCs. That's not all. The raw read speed is important, Cerny says, but so are the details of the I.O. mechanisms and the software stack that we put on top of them. I got a PlayStation 4 Pro, and then I put in an SSD that costs as much as the PlayStation 4 Pro. It might be one-third faster, as opposed to 19 times faster for the next-gen console, judging from the fast travel demo. As you've noticed, this is all hardware talk. Cerny isn't ready to chat about services or other features, let alone games and price, and neither is anyone at Sony. Nor will you hear much about the console at E3 in June. For the first time, Sony won't be holding a keynote at the annual game show. But a few more things come out during the course of our conversation. For example, the next-gen console will still accept physical media. It won't be a download-only machine. Because it's based in part on the PS4's architecture, it will also be backward compatible with games for that console. As in many other generational transitions, this will be a gentle one, with numerous new games being released for both PS4 and the next-gen console. What gaming will look like in a year or two, let alone 10, is a matter of some debate. Battle Royale games have reshaped multiplayer experiences. Augmented reality marries the fantastic and real in unprecedented ways. 
Google is leading a charge away from traditional consoles by launching a cloud gaming service, Stadia. Later this year, Microsoft's next version of the Xbox will presumably integrate cloud gaming as well to allow people to play Xbox games on multiple devices. Sony's plans in this regard are still unclear. It's one of many things Cerny is keeping mum on, saying only that we are cloud gaming pioneers and our vision should become clear as we head toward launch. But it's hard to think there won't be more news coming on that front. For now, there's the living room. It's where the PlayStation has sat through four generations and will continue to sit at least one generation more. The PS5 will support 8K displays, but not necessarily produce 8K graphics. It's not coming this year. Has an 8-core AMD CPU using 7NM Zen 2 microarchitecture and a variant of Radeon's Navi family supporting ray tracing. Chipset also includes 3D audio support, can support up to 8K displays. SSD that is specifically designed for the console that potentially makes load times 19 times faster. Also has real-time in-game benefits such as much smoother streaming in open-world games. It has a disk drive. Uh, the current PSVR headset is compatible. It will be backwards compatible with the PS4, and they will integrate a cloud streaming service somewhere or sometime in the future. Since it's backwards compatible, do you think they'd have Astrobot? Because I know you love Astrobot, and you won't really get Astrobot because uh, VR is kind of not kind of it's pretty expensive and kind of pointless at the same time right now. Uh, yes, backwards compatible with every PS4 game. Also heard that's going to be also with the PS3, but I'm not sure about that. I don't. I mean, they that. could announce it's backwards compatible with the other consoles, but maybe they're just waiting. They could be pushing out some pretty insane stuff, but they're smart about it. And they space it out again the, the most for their uh, their buck. I think they have a few more surprises up their sleeves because what they said in this is not very much. There's still a lot being left out. Yeah, that's, that's true because you always got to wait to like E3 and even then you kind of keep like that ace hidden as well because the next xbox is rumored to be revealed at e3 so i think they're waiting to see what that's all about and then they'll be like that's nice but look what we got instead <laughs> since they didn't mention the price that he said it's gonna be a respectable price for what you're getting so he's making it sound like it's gonna be 500 instead of 400 what yeah that's what i thought as well it could still be 400 to again like surprise people so i would say be prepared for 500 but don't be surprised if it's 400 my real concern is, like, uh, that, that was already mentioned, but it's just really buckling down, like, graphics, uh, like the FPS and the, the, the space, because there's just, like, that small kind uh, of doubt in my mind that's thinking they're going to do something stupid and release uh, something less than, like, a one terabyte console, or they're not going to, like have 1080 60 fps as the bare minimum at this point but that's just kind of baseless doubt that better be the bare minimum <sighs> if any game is less than 60 fps then that has to be a developer choice for like artistic style not because they couldn't get it to 60 i feel like there aren't many games that require less than 60 fps for artistic style at this point maybe some like some weird indie game or something also, I want to mention that um, I already made the thumbnail for this video, and the picture of the PS5 in the thumbnail is not real. That's not what it looks like. They have not shown it yet. That's just a fan mock-up. So, everything I just said is true, because it came from Cerny himself, who's basically a god. Now, everything I'm about to say 
take very, very lightly. With a grain of salt. So this is from Newsweek. It says, Cerny's announcement about PS5's hardware also corroborates some rumors posted by an anonymous European AAA developer on Pastebin last December. The Pastebin leak details more than just hardware. The user claims to have insider knowledge regarding the DualShock 5, PlayStation Plus changes, PSVR 2, console's price, supposed launch window, and even a handful of PS5 launch titles. If the information is accurate, PS5 will launch for $500 in either March 2020 or November 2020, with seven exclusive titles and five multi-platform games. Exclusive titles are said to consist of Gran Turismo 7 VR, Last of Us Part 2 Remastered, Ghost of Tsushima Remastered, a PUBG 4K free-to-play edition, a few PSVR games, and two to three currently unknown AAA titles. The anonymous leaker also notes Horizon Zero Dawn 2 should launch for the new console. Now, something I'm about to read is like so far out there. That's why I don't think this is entirely believable. And you'll know as I read it. <laughs> the whole concept of this podcast is stuff that's really far out there, isn't it? Exactly. The supposed multi-platform title list is a bit shocking. Allegedly, the PS5's launch will include the previously leaked Harry Potter game, <coughs> Battlefield Bad Company 3, <laughs> the new Assassin's Creed, the Viking one, and GTA 6. They state GTA 6 will launch during the holiday 2020 season and Sony is paying huge money for one month timed exclusivity rights to the game. That's what I don't believe. Dude, that's so outrageous. There's no way. All that money that they'd be losing out on even for a month. Yeah. <laughs> they would get the game first for a month. I don't, I don't believe that. I, there's no way. No. Like... Grand Theft Auto V broke records for like first day sales, one week sales. I take two. I don't think would let this happen because that would ruin the sales. Like surely they would want to try to break records again. Mm-hmm. So you would launch it on every platform you can. Uh, the Pastebin post predicted PS Plus will expand to a two tier service: PS Plus and PS Plus Premium. The Premium Edition will supposedly grant users exclusive early access betas and the ability to create private servers. Its description of PSVR 2 suggests the peripheral will have far fewer wires than the first, with power drawn from a rechargeable battery that lasts 4-5 to hours per charge. It also states to expect a much higher resolution, more AAA VR titles, and a $250 price point for the headset. The DualShock 5 is said by the leaker to feature an internal camera for VR and more precise analog abilities, similar to Steam's trackpad. This is supported by a patent Sony filed for a touchscreen controller last November. Some of it's believable, some of it's not. Again, believe what you want. I think I read somewhere that the new console could cost like 600 to make, and if they sell it for 500 that's a $100 loss. You sell a million consoles, which they will, that's $100 million gone. Do they really need the, like charge for ps plus they're like are they actually losing sleep over it or did do they just want to line their pockets a little thicker no they'd be losing hundreds of millions if they didn't as if they can't make that back easily yeah with ps plus and selling controllers and games god man, you're supposed to be on my side you, you gotta pay for the network it's gotta be expensive all the servers and stuff you're supposed to be on my side you traitor <laughs> dude i was god. a playstation before i knew you dude Good to know that Sony bought you out, chill. <laughs> <laughs> when did they buy you out? How much? Who? Who? How much? <laughs> did you sell your soul as well? 
I cannot confirm or deny. Did they buy your rights? Are you now their slave? I mean, when was the last time I played Xbox? Years ago. With me. <laughs> and I've never owned a Nintendo console. Yeah, we will, of course, talk about more PS5 news as it releases. And I will take one of them, please. I'll take one PS5. All right, next up, we're going to follow PlayStation news with Xbox news. Introducing Xbox Game Pass Ultimate coming later this year. In June 2017, we launched Xbox Game Pass with the goal of empowering gamers all over the world to discover their next favorite game. We also wanted to use Xbox Game Pass as a platform for developers to introduce their amazing games to millions of new people. From the beginning, the service was built based on input from gamers, and we're always listening to fan feedback. Xbox Game Pass offers a curated library of over 100 great games, available to download and play at full fidelity for one low monthly price. Since launch, we've continued to add more diverse titles to the library, including new games from Xbox Game Studios and ID at Xbox Partners the same day they release. Your feedback directly contributes to the evolution of Xbox Game Pass. Thank you for taking the time to help us continually improve the service. A top request you have shared from day one is to provide an option to get Xbox Game Pass and the most advanced multiplayer network Xbox Live Gold in a single membership. We heard you. Today we're excited to announce Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate will include all the benefits of Xbox Live Gold with Xbox Game Pass. That means full Xbox Game Pass library of over 100 high quality games and Xbox Live Gold Online multiplayer in one convenient membership for $15 a month. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate gamers will be able to play together on the most advanced multiplayer network and discover their favorite game. Starting today, we're inviting a limited number of our Xbox Insider community members to join and test Xbox Game Pass Ultimate before it launches later this year in current Xbox Game Pass markets. We look forward to your feedback and bringing our members even more choice with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate this year and beyond. So I think the original Xbox Game Pass is $10 a month, if I'm not mistaken. And for this, you get a $15 a month and you get Xbox Live with it. So That's a steal. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Sony has to re- show up with their own pass if they want to keep up with that. At least in my opinion. Well, I mean... If that rumor about the two-tier PS Plus service is real, then maybe that could be it. We'll have to wait and see. Also, Xbox-related. Next month, they're releasing a new console, the Xbox One S All Digital Edition, for $250. (laughs) It has no disk drive, it's all digital, and the price is stupid. (laughs) The fact that they're charging $250 at the end of this console's life, right before they're about to announce their new console. Like, if you're trying to ship more Xbox Ones out the door, why would you charge 250 This is 200 maximum. Maybe even 150 But 250 that's, that's a little ridiculous for me. Well, next, we have more PlayStation stuff. Had a, a sandwich Xbox in there, you know? Last of Us Part 2. <sighs> so they said they're still aiming for a 2019 release. And Neil Druckmann, the vice president of Naughty Bob... Naughty Bob... <laughs> <laughs> Naughty Dog, and the writer and director, he posted a few tweets, and uh, he said that Laura Bailey, whose character we don't know, but we assume it's Ellie's mom, they have not confirmed or denied, said that they wrapped up her shooting this week, and um, they also, a few days after that, they, he tweeted out saying that they just shot the final scene of the game. It was just a piece of paper that said, like, final scene, and um, cut to black. 
So, or no, it said the end and then cut to black. So the fact that her scene, her final scene was shot before the actual final scene of the game leads me to believe that she's not at the end of the game. Also, the fact that it said cut to black is interesting to me because I'm wondering why I didn't say fade to black. Now, all this can change. You know, they still have a lot more to do with the game. But I was just thinking, like, when a game fades out, usually, like, something good happens. Like, it's a happy ending and it fades out and it's like riding into the sunset or something really sad could have happened and like the character dies in their final moment and it just fades into the credits but when it like cuts to black to me that says cliffhanger like something you're in the final scene a twist happens and then the main character's like what cuts to black credits roll so i don't know if i'm looking too far into that and it could change later on but i don't know it's something interesting also, a few days after all of that, he sent out a tweet again saying that Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, Joel and Ellie, had just wrapped up the most ambitious cinematic shot they've ever done. And tears were shed. And it shows a picture of them. And Ashley has watery eyes. And Troy is holding what looks to be a fancy glass of champagne. So yeah, I think they're done filming. And we're entering the final stages. Game of the year, 2019. If it comes out in 2019. <sighs> totally coming out this year, dude. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I wanted to, but it's so close like, the PS5. It, it's probably going to be, like, the last Last of Us and um, be on both consoles. Which makes me actually eager to see what it looked like in the, in the next gen. Because I'm fairly certain Naughty Dog has definitely factored that um and into development oh yeah i believe it that looks so beautiful after the burial released an album called evergreen on april 19th after the burial is an american progressive metal band from minneapolis minnesota they currently signed to sumerian records and have released four <laughs> of their five full-length albums through the label since their inception in 2004, the band has gone through two vocalist changes, two drummer changes, the departure and death of founding rhythm guitarist Justin Lowe, and the departure of bassist Le Richard Forrell. Lead guitarist Trent Halfdahl remains the sole remaining founding member. They're considered key contributors to the development of subgenres such as gent and progressive metalcore. One of the best subgenres. Uh, and just a little bit about Mr. Justin Lowe. He was the guitarist and founding member. He left the band with a statement on June 24, 2015, citing a mental breakdown caused by paranoid schizophrenia. He basically thought that the band and label were out to get him and ruin his life. And he was just like super out of it. And he was just saying all these really weird things. And then he went missing on July 20th, 2015. And the very next day, he was found dead by a hiker underneath a bridge and his car was found on the side of the bridge so authorities stated that his death was consistent that of a fall and they don't know if he fell accidentally or intentionally so we don't know if it was suicide or i mean apparently when this happened it was dark out so maybe he just couldn't see where he was and he fell or of suicide we don't know so the current members of the band are trent halfdow which is the lead guitarist and now rhythm guitarist Anthony Notarmaso, lead vocalist, Dan Carl, drums, and Adrian Oropesa on the bass. First song is called Behold the Crown. We've already talked about this song previously. It kind of starts with an eerie intro, 
And then uh, the pinch harmonics in the riff out the wazoo. The thing about pinch harmonics, pinch harmonics are like the squeal sounds that the guitar makes. Some people don't like it. Some people, it doesn't bother them. It's kind of risky for them to do this or for Trent to do this. I, it doesn't bother me. I love the song, but a lot of people I've seen in comments say that they can't stand it. So to do that and to have it as the first song on the album, like I said, it's kind of risky, but I like it. Too bad for those people. The song pretty much sets you up for the rest of the album. Everything you can expect from other songs is in this song. It's probably my favorite guitar solo. And the build up to the last breakdowns, pretty nice. There's like the sirens go off and then the drums together, those two together, like the build up. Just, it's nice. I think it's a good song to open the album with, you know. But if you don't like pinch harmonics, then it's not. But I like them, so. <laughs> Uh, the next song is Exit Exist. That's the song that opened up for me on the album. This is the one? Yeah. Like I, um, it was a, I opened it up when I was playing uh, Dark Souls. song came out. I was like, yeah, I really love this album so far already. Yeah. The riff after the first verse is noise. Actually, the, the guitar is just... The guitar is just great. Like I'm probably going to say that on every song. Just understand the guitar playing is good. You just gotta understand that after the barrel is gonna tickle your pick over whether you like it or not. Yeah, this probably is the best breakdown on the album, in my opinion. Like I was, I was kind of, I was kind of worried that they won't be able to top, uh, dig deep. But I see I was wrong to doubt them. But yeah, this song is probably like your typical after the barrel song. I mean, it's nothing crazy, nothing experimental. It's just, it's just them doing what they do. Next song is eleven twenty six. I don't know what the meaning of the song is. I don't know what eleven twenty six is. I can't figure it out. I've read the lyrics. I don't know if that's supposed to be referencing November 26th or something else. Also, this was released on April 19th, and a few members of Job for a Cowboy and Black Dahlia Murder started a new band, and they released their new song also on April 19th. And the record label is called 1126 Records, which is a really weird coincidence. Yeah, I don't know if I'm missing the memo here of what 1126 is. Cause I don't know. Anyway. Around the 240 mark, everything just like it fades out and you hear just the guitar. Then the drums come in, then it stops. Then you just hear Anthony's vocals. And then you're right back in the song. Again, the guitar is good. It doesn't even seem like Justin's gone. Like I feel like Trent does a pretty good job filling out guitar lead rhythm. Actually, the solo on this song might be my favorite on the album. The solo continues and then everything fades out as the song ends, which I don't know how I feel about that because you don't hear the whole solo because it fades out. So, like, it's kind of cool to have songs end that way, but it's also not because you want to hear the whole thing. Whatever. Good song, nonetheless. Next up is In Flux. You're not going to believe this, but the guitar playing is pretty nice. <laughs> uh, the vocals seem pretty powerful. Uh, Anthony, just the way he delivers vocals, they're just powerful, and I think this song really showcases this like you really believe what he says he's not like i don't feel like he's one of those guys that tries to act tough or act or sound tough whatever i'm trying to say it just naturally sounds that way uh, around four minutes and seven seconds everything stops and you think that the song is over and in a way it is but it's not so the guitar comes back in with like a short delay effect on it and then the string section comes in and it's building up to something but then it ends 
but it doesn't end because the outro of In Flux is the intro to the next song, Respire, which is interesting choice, like to put the, out, the intro of Respire as the outro of In Flux. Uh, there's a little bit of vocal variation on the song, which is nice. Riffs are nice. There's a nice solo. There's even a little bit of melody. Next up is Quicksand. This has a very evil sounding intro. It's kind of like a final boss fight almost. That's what I hear. This song is the first and only time you hear Anthony do vocals, which is a shame because he's very good at doing them. And it's the only song he does it on. <laughs> and it's not even the whole song. It's only a part of the song. I just I wish he would do more. This might be the heaviest song on the album, which is cool. Also, I think when he does the low vocals, I think there's like a little bit of quality loss. I don't know. The vocals sound, they just sound a little different. It still sounds good, but. What if that's the, uh, you know, the intention? It could be. I can say myself a Next song is The Great Repeat. Uh, again, guitar. I feel like After the Battle is a very guitar-driven band, and the song's no different. Also, the lyrics, not just on this song, but like every song they've ever done. Usually, when you listen to a band or listen to lyrics, you can kind of understand what the vocalist is talking about. Talking about a person, some sort of issue. I never know what the dude's talking about in this band. I never know what they're talking about in this genre to begin with. <laughs> like, the lyrics are really good. <laughs> I just don't know what he's talking about. And one of my favorite lyrics is from their last album, a song called Collapse, where he says, mm. we smash against these glaciers of mistakes and find ourselves drowning in the flood. So it's like it's, the glaciers made of mistakes, and you keep hitting it over and over because you keep making mistakes, and when glaciers melt, they flood. So you're drowning in your mistakes. Next song is To Challenge Existence, and the guitar at the beginning and end of it, it's just it's something else. A lot of palm muting. <laughs> it's very, this is progressive. Maybe even gent. The guitar throughout the whole song is good. Again, I don't know. guitar. Just guitar. That's all you got to know is guitar. And there's some more melody on this song. Last song is A Pulse Exchange. I'll give some love to the drummer on this one. Not that he did a poor job on the other songs, but I feel like he stood out a little bit more. I don't really pay attention to drumming whole, that whole much, so it's hard for me to, uh, you know. Like, I've heard people review stuff, and they're like, oh, you hear the ghost notes and the hi-hat work? It's like, I don't I don't hear that stuff, because I don't listen for it. I can't even hear, like, the bass player half the time in songs listen to, so I can't hear all that stuff. That's why I never mention the bass. <laughs> I don't hear it. Thanks. Yeah, the drumming on this one's good. It's a lot of the same as other songs, but around 3 minutes and 32 second mark, Everything gets turned up a notch. The speed increases. And then you're treated to the after the burial specialty. Like you had your appetizers. You had dinner. Now it's time for dessert. And that's how they end the song and the album. So with all that said, I do have a complaint. And that is the variety in the vocals. Anthony's very good. He can hit highs. He can hit lows. He likes to stay in the midsection. Which is fine. I just wish he would utilize the other ones a little bit more. It's not that he can't do them, because he can, and he's very good at them. I don't know, this is your legacy, man. Like, just show off a little, you know? Show people what's up. Let them know what you're capable of. Anthony, Tony, Tony Baloney. I just wish there was a little bit more. And that's going to affect my score. So with that said, I have to give it an 8.5 out of 10. I would have given it a 9, but it's just... 
I need more variety. That's all. For the overall album, I'd have to say, like, what I rate Periphery, like a, what was it, like a 7.57? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I'm giving it a 7.5. I'd safe to say, after Burial dethroned them for my top three of the year, and yeah, they're probably like an 8, 8.5. Wait, so what is your top album of the year so far? Uh, it's not even the album, it's an EP. <laughs> was it Ginger? Yeah. Oh my god. Dude, I, there's just something about seeing a chick that looks that small produce vocals that disgusting. That gets me going. Speaking of EPs, though, Alpha Wolf dropped theirs on the 19th. And a few weeks earlier, a band called Dealer dropped theirs. And both bands have some beef with each other and they're calling each other out in their lyrics, which is pretty awesome because that doesn't really happen in this part of the music world it's usually in rap so the vocalist of dealer used to be in alpha wolf and then some allegations uh came out against him so he was removed from the band and then the allegations were dropped so now he's in dealer but some of the lyrics in the songs they uh like dealer released a song called crooked kind of says some stuff and then alpha wolf fired back with a song called sub-zero i feel like they're on this or they're in this together to create uh controversy and booster sales Kind well, of like most rappers nowadays. They could be, because one of the dudes in Polaris, who's close with those dudes, said that there is no beef. Like, lyrically there is, but he's saying that there isn't, so they could be in on it. I don't know. At least he cleared it up, though. I'm going to have to give Polaris a, a, a listen now, since they at least one of the members came out and squashed his crap. But they both released six-track EPs, uh, dealers is all of them are six actual songs. Alpha Wolf's five songs and then one interlude. The cool thing about Alpha Wolf's EP though is each song leads perfectly into the next, so it flows really nicely. It's basically just like one 17 minute song. And uh, on top of all that, both bands are Australian, so just add a couple more Australian bands. Australia? Funny that you mentioned Australians because I just um, ran into an Australian on my friend's stream earlier and she was really nice. On March 18th, 2019, I'm very late, Chino Moreno of Deftones created another supergroup, so don't expect a Deftones album to drop anytime soon, called Sodoche, spelled S-A-U-D-A-D-E. Don't ask me, it's foreign. And they, he released a new song with Chelsea Wolf called Shadows and Light. And I have to say, I had that song on repeat for the next three days straight i even cheered it to you to play it on stream i would cheer it again but oversaturation doesn't work with other people like it does for me and i gotta say it's really doubling down on alternative like uh avant-garde side of metal that i really like and if there's an album coming out that's similar to uh shadows and light i'm gonna be really pleased with it because i'll I've had to rank all of his side projects. I'd say Sadoche probably, uh, it's probably number one. Cross is being bumped down to second, which is pretty tough for me because Andrew here knows how much I love Cross's uh, music. I'm pretty sure I played that one album to death for like an entire year. He likes Crosses. <laughs> different taste, different people. Cha 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 chino. 
need a Gino Gia pet. <laughs> no, I I would not buy it. I would I definitely wouldn't buy that. That's pushing it. Dude, why not? I don't think I'd buy a Gia pet of any musician. That's just kind of. <sighs> That's a great idea. I hope that exists. I hope it doesn't. And it's time for weekly picks. Let's make Waver go through. I don't think he's here. Oh yeah, he muted himself. He's not here. For God's sakes, Waver. My pick is more of a request than a recommendation. The NFL draft is on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and as of right now, we have the number one pick. And I just, I just need energy and thoughts and prayers that we don't mess up. Or if we, if we make a trade and trade down that, like, we just pick the right guy, you know? So our general managers, you know, his first round picks have been a little <clears throat> hit or miss. So just if you watch the NFL draft this Thursday and the Cardinals are on the clock, think about me. If any of you are in the, like, Montreal, Canada area, my, my weekly pick is a tattoo artist I follow. And I want to butcher her name because I'm pretty sure it's French. Her Instagram handle is then there she was with no spaces or anything. And that's like a really like her. Her tattoos are really nice to look at, in my opinion. They they kind of fit my aesthetic. That's my weekly pick, I guess. It's time to get weird. Weird, weird, weird. I have two weird stories this week because they're kind of short. Can I just like go first since mine's like really go for it. So I got on Facebook for the first time in months, probably a year, and I got a lot of notifications like uh, from friends like saying, "Oh my God, you're not dead!" And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I'm I'm clearing my stuff. I go on my feed and like there's the usual friend suggestion, and guess who was in that suggestion list? You you kind of already know her. Keep in mind, I do not like like I know I talk about this person. Um, every so often, but none of my friends know her. Yet she's just smack dab, like second or third recommendation. I feel like the universe is messing with me in ways I don't want it. That's a little too weird. Just a little too weird for my liking. A drunk Florida man was arrested outside of Olive Garden after eating pasta in an inappropriate manner. According to the Miami Herald, officers with the Naples Police Department were dispatched to the chain restaurant regarding a disturbance. A man was reportedly asking restaurant patrons for money and yelling at them using explicit language. When police arrived, they discovered a shirtless man sitting on a bench outside the establishment. The man was allegedly shoving spaghetti into his mouth with his hands. The man, identified as 32-year-old Ben Paget, was placed under arrest for disorderly intoxication. However, being, before being placed in handcuffs, officers gave Paget a paper towel so he could wipe the pasta off his face. Police in Florida have arrested a man they say screamed obscenities and threatened to unleash an army of turtles on the entire town. Authorities say Thomas Lane was disturbing the peace at several businesses near Orlando. Police say Lane called himself the Saint and reportedly said his army of turtles would destroy everyone. He faces multiple charges, including disturbing the peace and resisting arrest without violence. Wait. So there, there's a couple of Florida stories for you. Eating those tortillas. Tortilla. It's tortilla. Tia. Ella. Boy, just because you're white doesn't mean anything. I'm speaking English, not Spanish. You're pronouncing it wrong, more importantly. No, because I'm speaking English, not Spanish. And Spanish two L's is a Y, and English two L's is an L. 
If I was speaking Spanish, it would be tortilla. I'm speaking English. Therefore, it's tortilla. I'm saying it correctly. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I will come beat you to choke with a tortilla. In the English language, it's tortilla. All right, I'll talk to you dudes next week. Later. Later. So squealy things don't bother you. Of course not. Not even pig squeals. <laughs> I can't pig squeal anymore. I I used to be really good at pig squealing um, in middle school, but I caught the I caught the deaf coritis and I screwed my throat up. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably gonna stop doing this now. <laughs>